The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. It is one of the oddest encounters that we see with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, uh, for sure, I, I would say, and then, I, but I think in all the Gospels, because it's Jesus having to do a miracle with two attempts. He doesn't solve the miracle on the first attempt of a blind man being healed. So that's fascinating. Today, as we think back in the Gospel of Mark before we press in, you have to understand that Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see. He's trying to get his disciples to see something, and they're not seeing it. And I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, so we're going to pray and we're going to jump in. Father, I thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to learn and grow in your word. Lord, help us understand what it means to see. Help us understand what you meant in the Psalms when you said for us to open the eyes of our hearts. Help us to understand, Lord, what you mean in the, in the word when you say that, that people are blind and now they see. Because all of us in this room this morning have spiritual blindness areas. Lord, humble us this morning to be able to open up our lives to those around us so that they can gently show us areas where we may not see clearly in our own lives. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen. So when you walked in this morning, I want to know how many of you guys noticed the stuffed gorilla I put in the back right there. How many of you guys noticed it? How many of you guys noticed how many fingers I was holding up when all of you looked back that way? Nobody. There's so many perception tricks that you've probably seen with lines that are shorter and longer. The second service is going to get those because I didn't remember to uh, have them until now. But you've seen them. You've seen the perception tricks or you've seen the YouTube videos of the people passing the basketball. And they say, how many times is the basketball passed by people in white shirts? And you count them all diligently only to find out in the very end of the video it says, did you notice the dancing gorilla? And when you watch it again, you see this moonwalking gorilla go through the whole scene that you never knew before. This morning is kind of like that. Jesus had fed the 5,000 and fed the 4,000, and the disciples get on the boat, and they're worried about a piece of bread. That was last week. And then, this week, Jesus gives them a living example of multi-part healing, which is very confusing unless you look at it in the context of Mark. So here it is, Mark 8, 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought him to a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. When he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, do you see anything? A, it's already odd, right? If you guys come up here for healing and when we offer the elders to pray for you, I, I promise you that if Eric Young hawks one in your eye, you are not visiting again. Like maybe, maybe if you're his wife, you'll come back. That's it. It's, it's definitely something that, was, that is not in our current cultural uh, connection, but it's something that we've seen Jesus do before. He spits in the ground, make mud, wipes it on the eyes of a blind man, go wash it off in a pool, and the guy gets healed. In this case, Jesus spits, and he puts his hands on him and says, Do you see anything? And when he looked up, he said, I see people. 
but they look like trees walking. So we know two things from this. One, this guy was not always blind because he knows what trees look like of some sort, and they're walking. But he couldn't see clearly. Jesus tried to heal the guy, and it didn't work. This is very odd and problematic if you just read this section of Bible alone. The creator of the universe who has already healed blind people, who has already raised up people who could not walk, who has already healed people who could not hear, gets his game face on. Do you see anything? Now, it's interesting because obviously Jesus is doing something intentional here. He had never done this before. He had never said to them, go wash your eyes off in the pool and then come back and tell me if you see something. He said, if you do this, you're healed. Boom, done. Go, don't tell anybody, or, or go, I'm going, see you later. But he knew, Jesus knew that this was happening. He knew that this was a multi-part miracle. Have you ever watched a movie uh, that made you cry so much that you couldn't even see out of your eyeballs? Um, I watched this movie, this is a PG, like use your own parental guidance, but watch it without children first, called Instant Family. It's, uh, it's about half of the families at the chapel. They just, they bring in and love kids. And it's about fostering. It's Mark Wahlberg, someone else, and I don't really know the rest. But within like the first 10 minutes of this movie, like my allergies were just real bad. <laughs> and my wife and I have this understanding, like when we watch movies, I'm the emotional one. And, and I don't know if you do this, if you're, if you're part of a couple unit, if you do this like I do, but when when I'm crying, I look over at her because I want to see if she's crying. However, when I'm crying, she's already shaking her head like, I know you're crying. This movie, um, from the moment that the teenager m- mouthed off for the first time, just to the end credits, just sweat coming out of my eyeballs. I need to rewatch it because I'm sure I missed so much of it. It was the same way with Lion King for me. Just a real rough experience, emotionally. <laughs> but uh, it makes me think about, when, when I'm thinking about what this guy was going through, this person who had seen, we know this because he described trees. He, if he was blind from birth, he would have just been, I see fuzzy things moving. But he said, no, I see what looks like trees moving. So he, he had seen previously, he had gone blind, and now he sees partially, and Jesus laid his hands on him again, on his eyes, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly, and he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. The disciples had seen Jesus feed 5,000 people, and they didn't believe. So then Jesus fed 4,000 people, and they didn't believe. And then they had one loaf of bread, and they said, oh my goodness, we forgot the bread. Jesus was trying to communicate something specifically to his disciples and those who were following him closely. This is something that they had seen with their own eyes, but they were failing to see internally. They were failing to allow their soul to see that Jesus is the provider. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the miracle worker. So Jesus wanted to show them through a living blind person. Okay, you guys don't get it, how this works? This works like this. The more you encounter me, the more you will see. 
You'll see some. At first encounter, you'll see more and more and more. Now, you might think, okay, I, I don't want to be spiritually blind. And in and, and Christianity, we have this odd tension that we have to hold. It's called the already, not yet. Everyone say already, not yet. We, we are already perfect before God. Jesus has covered you if you have placed your faith in him and his life, death, and resurrection and ascension. You are perfect. But we all know that we are not yet perfect when we look around. You look at someone next to you. You look at the way your neighbors are acting. You look at the way you act. All of Christian life and growth is not a matter of white-knuckling our way into obedience, but it's a matter of having Jesus come into our lives in the areas where we have previously not let him. Now, when you come to know Jesus, it's amazing. The very first time, it's usually Jesus brings you salvation. Jesus, you let him into your eternal destiny because some preacher somewhere said, you need Christ to be saved. You need Christ to be free. You need Christ to pay for your sins. Do you want to believe and receive him into your life to change you forever? And you, you raised your hand. You said, yes, you came to the altar. You said the prayer, whatever it was in your tradition. That's where we start. And then it depends on where you grew up, how it changes next. Because Jesus giving you a ticket out of hell is great. But you come and you learn more. And you learn things like Jesus changes your habits. But he, we don't let him into all of our habits at once, right? We let him into some of our habits, like the ones that are okay. We let Jesus into our Sunday mornings. Say, okay, I'm not going to fish because I came to, to know Jesus and I should go do something. And some of you, you, maybe you walked away from the church for a little bit, then you had children, and they were all demons. So you said, we need to go back to church for my children. So you brought them back. You changed your habits to let Jesus in, to get Jesus in to these experiences. For some of you, Jesus has changed. You've let him into the, the, the corridor of language. It's like he's going down the room of your life, and when you accept him, he's in the hallway, and he's opened up the main room. But there's these offshoot rooms, one is language, yeah, I'll let Jesus in there, but only on Sundays. Some of you have not let Jesus into that area yet. Some of you have let Jesus into your family. You pray together. You read the word or talk about biblical things in your homes. Some of you let Jesus into your work eventually. You say, you know, I've been following this Jesus guy for a long time. I should pray for my coworkers. And as you, you continue to walk with Christ, as you continue to encounter Jesus through sermons, through worship experiences, through conversations, God will go into these doors. Sometimes we close them back and we say, I don't want you in here. Some of you have let Jesus into your attitude, which is good. There's the heavy hitters in Christianity. These are the last rooms that people tend to let Jesus into. Your finances, those are, that's a tough place to let Jesus into. And maybe the toughest for some of you, because I know so many of you, you'll finally have Jesus as Lord when you let him into your commute in the morning. Yeah. Psalm 119.18 says, Open up my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. It's a prayer that the psalmist is saying, Lord, I want to see. I, I can see, but I need to see. This blind man at some point could see, at some point went blind, and then had partial blindness, just this instead of this, and then full clarity. If you want to grow in Christ, it's a matter of connecting with him in different areas of your life so that you can see. 
This is why oftentimes we have these slogans. Old dogs can't what? Learn new tricks. How many of you identify as an old dog? And at this point in culture, anyone can raise their hand, right? You're 12, you can identify as an old dog because who am I to, to be ageist against you? Old dog. I've met a lot of old dogs in my life. And I've seen a lot of old dogs learn new tricks. Some of you might have given up. No, I, I just can't. I can't. There's no way that, that either I'm going to change or, or the person I'm married to or the person I work with are going to change because they've been doing this for so long. And yes, there is some sense of that. You get used to being in the dark in certain areas of your life. I mean, I'm, I'm getting used to these. When I first started doing this, anyone who's crutched knows that pain. Some of you who have crutched right now are like, ugh. If you've never crutched, you don't know. On Tuesday, if the Lord wills, I get a sweet boot. I still can't walk on it. But I always wanted one of these boots when I was a kid because I had the big casts. If I broke something or I had these air cast things, I always wanted a boot. They just looked so much fun. So if the Lord wills, on Tuesday, I get a boot. I'm very excited. My boot has heel lifts. So I'm going to be like six foot nine. Super excited about that too. And I'm going to get used to that. But it's weird. When you get used to something, uh, now I'm, I'm almost to the point where my crutches in the short period of two weeks or whatever it's been, two and a half weeks, they're like extensions for me. At night, I have two sticks to, to feel out things that might be on the ground. If my kids are being disobedient, my arm span is way longer than it used to be. I can grab things. Like if I had a toe or a claw on the bottom of that, I could grab a lot more things. But, but now they're becoming an extension of me. And I, uh, as I'm getting used to them, though, I know something else is happening because I've broken bones before. Right now, this leg is shriveling up. It's becoming useless. I should have taken some before pictures if I had known I was going to rupture my Achilles tendon so I could have seen just these sexy legs before. And I only say that because I posted a picture and, and one of the older women at the chapel said, oh, I didn't know you had sexy legs. And I was like, I didn't either until this very moment. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> she, she <laughs> and, uh, but I know what happens at the end, you know, because I've had casts on my arms and things on my legs before. Your muscles will shrivel and become worthless. And you have to do physical therapy and build up the strength again. Right now, this is just my normal. If you get used to normal for too long, you grow accustomed to it, and then it gets comfortable. Some of us here have grown accustomed to not encountering or desiring Jesus in certain parts of our life. Jesus is okay for Sunday morning. I want him to bring me clarity here but Monday morning, Lord, please, let me do my thing. You hear me joke about the bumper stickers. Miss Amanda posted recently a, a joke where Christians could have a button on their dash that could hide their Christian stickers from the back of their car. The reason I don't buy you stickers, for those of you who are new, is because I don't trust Christians to live like Christians when they're driving. So I don't want you to have a bumper sticker from the chapel. If you want a bumper sticker about Jesus, I'll give, get you one from another church. And you could put that in your car. And, um, and you drive around with that. 
because some of us, some of us might let Jesus into certain parts of our life, but we resist. And, and Corinthians 4 gives us the, the big picture uh, of what happens in this. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So for people who are far from God, the, the God of this world, he's actively trying to blind people from seeing the goodness that is in the gospel of Jesus. The God of this world is actively trying to blind us from seeing in smaller portions, smaller areas, the goodness of the gospel of Jesus. This is why we allow God into certain areas but not others. I'm at the phase of my glasses wearing where if I need to see far, I have to, to wear them now. Like if I want to read the, the slides of the next verse back there, if I don't have my glasses, it's a no-go for me. Now it's, it's to the point as well where, you know when you get that new TV? Actually, no, let me put it in my, my context. When I go to Costco, they've got these TVs right when you walk in. And like, I think they do this intentionally, like at tax return time, they put this the most biggest, grandest, these TVs are curved nowadays. You guys have these curved TVs? I, I've never had owned a curved TV. That's one of my life goals, own one before I die. I just think it's so cool that they know TVs are so ridiculous. They got to curve it around your face. Because some of us are putting these in one-bedroom apartments. You're just watching whatever show. You're watching Instant Family, just getting allergied up. And you're looking around like it's a kick conversation. Mark Wahlberg, life-size, I know is a dream for some of you. I can't imagine that. But every time I see it, I go back home and I look at my TV, my 1080p TV. I don't even know what K's are. And what happens when you do that? When you see that big, crisp TV, and you see hummingbird wings, and you can see every flap of their wings. <laughs> and then you go home to your TV. It's sad. And here's how I know it's sad, because so many of us have so many TVs. You have the one, and you're like, yeah, this is a great TV. When you got it, you were fired up. Because it was crystal clear. And let's be honest, if you're my age, you remember going from like the 27-inch and like we got the 32. And I'm not talking about the flat panels. We're talking about the CRTVs. And then some of you, like me, you, you hooked it up and you got the Magnavox. You remember those? Cheap pressed wood, big giant box. If your friend had one and asked you to help move, you said, ah, I'm so busy that day. And they say, I didn't even tell you what day. I know. And then when the flat screens came out, we were all skeptical. Picture can't be as good. Now you could hang these things on your wall with one pinky, and it looks better than real life somehow. And we keep buying it. It's odd to me that we keep buying those, but so many of us are so content to manage our spiritual life with one area that's 720p. Like seriously, some of you don't even know what that is. Like you guys over here that are, do you even know what 720p is? Yeah, it's when YouTube isn't buffering fast enough. That's what 720p is. And we get frustrated. I get frustrated when I'm watching a, a video online or if I'm putting Netflix on my TV and my kid says, 
Daddy, why is it blurry? Wait three seconds for it to buffer, whatever generation you are. I don't know what generation my kids are. But we're so content to do it in our spiritual life. Well, it would be really uncomfortable if I let Jesus into all the areas. It might. Because when the lights go on, things change. Here's the lights going on for Peter. I love it. Verse 27. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. The anointed one, the Messiah. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. If Jesus is a good advice giver to you, then your life will not change very much. It will change externally. But if you let just someone who's a good advice giver into these parts of your life, and you remain in control, there's still going to be areas of blindness. When Peter says, you are the Christ, he's saying, you are the king. You are the one who's come to change the way we do everything. You're the one who's coming to clean house. You're the one who's coming in to bring light where there's darkness, to bring healing where there's brokenness. This is who you are when you are the Christ. If you want to have spiritual clarity, to have spiritual vision, it's not simply saying that Jesus is an okay guy to have on Sundays. It's saying, I'm going to open up the doors down the halls of my life and say, Jesus, come be the king. Come be the king over my views of sexuality. Come be the king over my finances. Come be the king over where I live. Come be the king over my parenting and my children and my marriage. Come be the king over my workplace, over my vacation and leisure and habits. And when you allow Jesus and you you open up to have Jesus flood through these areas, he will bring light where there was darkness. And you will see more and more of Jesus as he is. Things get in the way, I I get it. Bad church experiences might get in the way of you wanting to let Jesus be the Christ King in all the areas of your lives. I've had bad church experiences. We have the hypocrites, the Judgy McJudger sins. We have the the feeling maybe of inferiority where, where you look around and you're like, I can't be like these people. Just in case you didn't know that, that's all of us. We all look around and say, ah, they got it all together. No one does. We all need Christ in some areas of our lives. We are all walking around in some ways spiritually seeing trees walking. Where is it that you need Jesus to shine the light? Where is it that you need Jesus to put his hands upon your life so that you can see more clearly? I'm not as worried about the big sins because we see those. One of the proudest moments that I've had recently as a pastor, one of my friends uh, was out, and they drank too much. And, uh, and they're here. They don't come to the chapel yet. And they, they got in an Uber, which is great. Like, get in an Uber if you drink too much, people. And the Uber driver happened to be a pastor, a very conservative pastor. And this Uber driver got in a conversation and this person talked about me. He said, oh, I, you know, I have, my pastor comes into the brewery. 
and then the Uber driver was talking about me. Oh, your pastor's leading his flock astray. Because I go to a brewery to talk with bartenders about Jesus. And, um, and I felt so happy that this person said that he called me his pastor. He's come through this building, I think, one time. So that's my pastor. Now, other pastors, I don't care what they say. Well, you can't do this, shouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm up here wearing a T-shirt and shorts preaching the good news of Jesus for crying out loud. This was a sin not 40 years ago. But to have a, a wrecked person who's going through difficult times call me his pastor, it's pretty cool. I mean, I expect some of you to call me your pastor. I hope. I've appreciated all the prayers. I appreciate the youth groups. They sent over some lawn elves yesterday. I sent you guys the lawn elves. Thank you, lawn elves. You did a great job keeping the HOA off my back. I love you guys. See, I'm not worried about those big sins, the people who get too drunk and end up in an Uber. I'm worried about the little things that will keep us from allowing Jesus to be the king and Christ of areas of our lives. It's the tiny little teachings that put us three degrees off. Because it was cool. Elijah was amazing. He was one of the big prophets. Like, yeah. Jesus, some people say, you're Elijah. That guy did amazing things. He could tell the rain to stop and the rain to come and it listened to him. He could raise people from the dead. That's who people are saying you are. If you say Jesus is just this amazing prophet, you haven't gotten there yet. It, it's the slight, twisted teachings that are good, but not in line with the Bible that we have to be the most careful of. Like the self-help Christianity, that you can change your own life if you just try hard enough Christianity, that God wants you to be rich and healthy Christianity. Don't get me wrong. I think God is pumped when some of you get wealthy. I think God is pumped when some of you are broke. My prayer over and over again for this injury, because this is my first surgery, it's my first time going under, other than my tonsils when I was under the age of two. It's my first time telling the anesthesiologist that I was going to fight this. I told him, I said, I'm going to fight your drugs. And he said, you will lose. And I did. I lost. I, that's the last thing I remember was that word. And I woke up. Am I done? And then I was uh, in a Percocet-induced experience for a couple weeks. Now I'm off of those because I didn't like the way they made me feel. But, it's, but in all of this, I've said, Lord, whatever, whatever will bring the most people to come to know you. And my mother-in-law prayed, Lord, I pray that he comes out of this successfully. And I prayed right after. I said, Lord, if you've got to kill me for people to know you, kill me. My wife doesn't like those prayers, so I pray those just with my mother-in-law. Sorry, Mom. I don't pray that my mom, she'd hit me. I'm not a good ducker right now. You've got to worry about those subtle teachings that sound like Christianity but aren't quite. And the way to do that is to experience Jesus more and more and more. The way that this passage makes sense is not if you just read this one verse. Because if you read this miracle, you'd say, whoa, Jesus failed. He did it and he failed. But if you read the Gospel of Mark, you'd say, oh, he's trying to show people who don't get it. They see something, they forget it. They see something, they forget it. They see something, they forget it. 
So Jesus says, fine, you want to see how this works? This is how I'm doing this with you guys in real life, in spiritual life. I'm healing you part way, part way, part way, part way. And by the grace of God, he's going to do it to your life this week. He's going to say, this area of your life, you've been resisting me, and I'm waiting. I've been waiting for this moment, for this sermon, for this encouraging thing, for this problem in your life to finally get you to the point where you could say, I didn't realize I've been blind in this area. I need to open the door to you, Jesus, to have you reach in and change. That's what I'm asking us to do today, to, today, to take that stock of our lives. And it's easy if you do it with someone that you're close to that you trust. It's painful when you ask someone, what areas do you think I'm blind in? But I promise you, there's some people sitting probably right next to you or nearby or you'll be in the car with them on the way home, they've been storing up some words for you. Maybe they'll dispense them with grace and tenderness this morning because we all have areas of blindness in our life. So, don't vomit everything at once, you guys. This isn't a license for married couples to go home and say, well, I've got my list, and you unroll a scroll that hits the floor and rolls down the hall. It's not that. For people, friends, family, individuals to sit down and say, where are areas where, I was, where I've been walking with fuzzy vision, where I haven't let Christ reign supreme? And then you go to his word and you apply verses. You read verses about that specific topic. If you don't know how to do that, come and see me. Go to openbible.info. Go see any of the, anybody around. Just grab someone next to you and say, hey, you look like a guy that could tell me. Where to go in the Bible? I think you'll find some people. You can go to this, this guy right here, Instant Family. You can go to Mike. He's the guy that looks like uh, Grizzly Adams right there with the beard and his arms crossed. You can go to Jesse. You can go to Reeve. You can go to Amanda. You can go to so many people here. Actually, you know what? You can grab anyone next to you. If they end up being a heretic, go to someone else. <laughs> this is the journey today to see clearly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are gracious to help us see one step at a time. I thank you that you are so gracious that you don't reveal all the areas of blindness at once. Otherwise, we would probably just wither away with a tsunami of a task at hand. But rather, Lord, you graciously walk us down the hallways of our lives, opening doors. So help us this week, God, to open the doors of our lives to let your light, the light of the gospel, shine in to the way that we do family, to the way that we do work, to the way that we do finances, to the way that we do commutes, to the way that we do our attitudes with our bosses or our employees. Help us, Lord. Help us to submit in these ways. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen.